to the Unheard Words podcast. I'm really excited to be back again with all of you. Um, I know I normally post podcasts on Tuesday, um, but today I'm doing it on Thursday. And I'm going to switch it so that um, now it's permanently on Thursday, just because it'll be easier. Um, and without further ado, let's jump into the podcast. So this week, I had a bout of uncertainty and and sadness come over me and that's not normally something that happens to me um I'll have moments of it but sometimes there are things in this world that seem to go far over our heads and and it's stuff we can't comprehend and it's stuff that we feel so small when thinking about and it's hard because you want to change things and you want to make the world better, but then you think that it's just you, so what can you do? What can you do with your background? What can you do with your education? It's just one person. And you just feel small and diminished and like your voice doesn't actually matter at all. And I know that's not true. And I've written thousands of letters to different state senators and the Supreme Court that I've never sent. And I wonder what would happen if I sent them. I'm sure it would be met with silence, but a part of me wonders if I sent it and it was read whether or not it would make a difference. And I don't know. I really don't. You know, there's, there's some things in my work that I'm coming across that, that really bother me as an American, as a person, and as someone who believes so wholly in free speech. The fact that that private schools can just get away with violating your rights so easily because you sign a contract that signs away your rights just bothers me. It just, it feels so wrong that all these kids are coming out of colleges basically indoctrinated because they're not allowed to see a different viewpoint from the one that's being fed to them. And, and it, it bothers me so much. And that goes for, for public universities. It's mostly private because public you can kind of fight against, but it happens on public campuses. It's mostly private ones with, with either religious schools or non-religious schools. And it's these drastically right or left schools that are the issue. That you see these students not having a right to say anything, to fight back, to think for themselves, and it bothers me. And I guess it bothers me more than it should because I'm probably one of the only people in this world who cares about it. And I apologize if you're from another country and you're like, stop talking about this. (laughs) I totally understand it. It might be a little bit annoying, but forgive me as I rant because I think that our youth and, and, and people who come after us and the generation who come after us are so 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 important and there's a lot of other countries who don't have the constitution they don't have free speech america's one of the only countries that has a constitution that guarantees people rights and the fact that corporations and and people who who believe that they know best are stepping on those rights for other people or taking it away from the children of this country bothers me so much. Because how are we supposed to progress as a society? 
and not even just America, but in general, how are the, how's the human race supposed to get better to understand ourselves, to have more empathy, if not for race or religion, but just for each other in general? If you're not discussing issues and you're not having difficult conversations, and those difficult conversations are the most important ones to have because they might make you feel uncomfortable when you're having them. But if you don't have them, then that ignorance just lives on. And yeah, I understand the argument of people saying, you know, well, they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to listen to me, so what's the point of having it? But you should have those conversations as they fall on deaf ears again and again and again and again and again. Because if one person listens, if one person listens, then it's all worth it. But the fact that people aren't even trying anymore bothers me. And I've written poems about this. And and I'm sorry, I know this seems more like a rant than normal, but these have been my feelings this week. They're all pent up. And I just wish that people stopped seeing each other's with, with divisive labels. And I don't know what the answer is. Because it's so ingrained in our society to separate. And that's always been it. And that might be the, that might be the product of an individualistic culture. Where you feel like you have to be an individual. Or if you a part of a group, then it has to stand apart. And I don't know the answer. Because I also know that in more collectivist societies, you have people who won't give their ideas because they don't want to stand out. So you either have people giving their ideas but not caring about what the other side says or you're having people who won't even speak up about it at all. And I wish there was an answer. And there's not. If you guys would like to continue this conversation with me, please do. I'd love to read what your thoughts are on about it. I know I just like rambled on for five minutes. Um, So I, I apologize if that's not you know, what you wanted from this podcast. Sometimes certain things get me fired up. And when I think about people not getting knowledge, that that's one of the things that I think is so important. I think it's so important to be exposed to viewpoints you don't agree with or viewpoints you don't think you will agree with because you might find that you do. And you can't be informed about your own opinions if you don't listen to other people's opinions and you don't hear the other side. Maybe I'm just talking to the air. But if someone's listening, maybe it'll be worth it. You swung your feet in circles, disturbed by your recent thoughts not really looking through or at the water as you peered down from the dock. The board soon creaked behind you, and you froze within your seat, feeling the eyes of the Grim Reaper peering at you that you were too ashamed to meet. But like its endless presence, it used the silence to fill the space, and this was one of those pauses that you couldn't bear to face. I saw a baby today, you said softly amongst the breeze, and when I met its eyes, I felt the need to grieve. It's just starting its life, but there will always be so much pain. And once that cycle ends, another will start again. Yes, that is the way of the world. The innocent will endure their fate. But you are looking at time as if it's always late. 
The child will live a life full of possibility and wonder. So yes, there will be pain, but lightning is always accompanied by thunder. So because I am adding in this new section um, within the podcast where I talk about some of the stuff that you guys send um, in terms of poetry, I am going to be only answering one question a week. Please continue to send them to me. Um, I will start marking them up for next podcasts if I don't get to them in the podcast directly after, but please continue to send me your questions. I love reading them. I love listening to them, and I know that I can only choose a few to answer, but if I could, I would spend hours talking to you guys. So um, that is what will happen I think from now on um unless you guys think that the podcast could be longer or shorter I always love hearing that stuff as well because you know I get a different perspective from everyone so the question I received today was where do you find meaning in your life and I know that I think I answered a question that was similar to this which was um what do you think is the meaning of life (laughs) but I think this one's a little different um finding meaning in your life. So, I don't know if this has an answer. I think a stock answer would be family and friends and genuine human connections that we make throughout our lives. But in all honesty, most days I'm still trying to figure it out. My writing is my way of navigating the world and attempting to understand. And I'm sure that I've made it quite obvious, but... I'm pretty lost. <laughs> I think a lot of people are lost, but but I'll freely admit it. I, I'm I'm pretty lost. I just write poems. I like words. I like reading. And that's basically all I know about my life. And honestly, that might be all you guys know about my life. But that means that you know my entirety of my life because that's essentially it. And I feel like being kind makes you feel good. <laughs> a, a general feeling but but being kind has always made me feel good and words poetry and books have always helped me navigate my emotions and and figure them out if i'm sailing a sailboat then this is the rudder that's steering me along hopefully that sailboat analogy made sense sometimes i make analogies and i'm not sure if they're gonna make sense But that's why writers write in the first place. It's to navigate the world, to figure things out. And I think what gives life meanings are the small moments that make us happy. And I can say that I have genuinely never been more happy in my life than two instances. And one is when I'm sipping a cup of coffee, writing or reading, and my family's around. And the other side is helping people out. Um, whether it's in the legal field or just in general on the street. And I think that's the meaning. I think those two things give meaning to me in life because I don't think I would be the same person if I didn't write. And I don't think I would have much of a meaning in my life if I didn't write. And it's the same way with helping people out and working with people. I don't think that my life would have nearly as much importance as I feel as it does. And in this life that we all live, in our own selves, it's us who gives our lives meaning. 
It's no one else. So in order to find that meaning, I think you have to find what makes you happy. And whatever makes you happy is what gives your life meaning. And I think the problem that you have, especially with all these young kids with mental illnesses, is that there's so many people, so many teens, so many, so many children, so many young adults who don't know where they're going, who feel completely lost, who doesn't know what makes them happy. And instead of, and instead of journeying to find it, they think they're not going to. And that means that their life is empty or their life is meaningless. And it's such a dark hole to fall into. And once you're into it, it's so hard to get out. But I can tell you that I have gotten out of that hole. I have my own darkness. I have a part of myself that's still there, of course. Of course, you guys have heard it. I've read it 10,000 times. It exists. But I've never once since I've gotten out, thought of actually, you know, taking my life. And I I think that's human will and human stubbornness. But I think a lot of it is also just following what makes you happy and recognizing, and I've said it a thousand times, and I'll say it a thousand more until it breaks into the heads of someone who needs to hear it, That you're the owner of your life. And no one else is going to live it but you. No one else is going to live it but you. So you're so choosing to be sad. Or not trying to make a difference. That's you hurting yourself. And it can be hard to get out of that sadness. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not going to say it's easy. I'm not going to say venturing out of that hole is easy. It's not. It never was. And that's kind of the saying of life, isn't it? That, you know, life's not going to offer you any easy paths. No one said life was easy. No one said life was fair. And it's not. You just have to learn how to play the game. And a lot of that is realizing that you're not a pawn, you're the game maker. So this is the portion of the podcast I spoke briefly about yesterday, where I will read a poem, whether it's your own or someone else's, and I'll give my general feelings on it. So if you want to submit them, please do it on heardwordspoetry at gmail.com. I wasn't really sure if I was going to get anyone to suggest a poem because I briefly mentioned it last week, but someone remembered and did, and thank you to that person because I was genuinely not expecting to have one this week, Um, but I do. This is a poem by Walt Whitman, and it's fun for me because I actually haven't read it before, which is terrible because I feel like I should know Walt Whitman by now, but I suppose I can't read every work of every author but um, I'll have to read through the entirety of Leaves of Grass soon since this came from that collection. But this poem is called I Saw Old General at Bay. And if you guys send me your poems but then want to like send me a little blurb of why you're sending them, 
or like if it's a favorite author I'd love to know the reasons why this one was just sent with the poem so I didn't get a reason as to why um this particular person liked this poem so much and I'd love to know that stuff I geek over poetry if you can't tell so without further ado here's the poem I saw old general at bay old as he was his gray eyes yet shone out in battle like stars his small force was now completely hemmed in in his works he called for volunteers to run the enemy lines. A desperate emergency. I saw a hundred or more step forth from the ranks, but two or three were selected. I saw them receive their orders aside. They listened with care. The adjutant was very grave. I saw them depart with cheerfulness, freely risking their lives. Admittedly, when I read this poem for the first time, I didn't really know how to feel about it. And I still don't know if I know entirely how to feel about it. I'm sure that there's many write-ups about what authors think it means or, or people who have analyzed it. But genuinely, I don't look at that stuff often. I like to know how it makes me feel. And that's the um, interpretation I tend to go with, which might not be the correct one. But it's correct to me at the time of reading it. And I think those first impressions tend to be the most important, which is why I normally gravitate toward them. Uh, in any English classes or writing classes that I took in college, when a professor was like, hey, how does this make you feel? I like those a lot better than, hey, here's how this should make you feel, because that's not how it's supposed to work. Poetry is the product of the audience, and what the audience thinks, and how they interpret it. And so when I was reading this, the last line really struck me, the cheerfulness of the soldiers as they risk their lives. And I suppose that's how it goes a lot of the times, right? You have these soldiers who walk off to war cheerful that they get to protect their country when in reality they might not come back. And that seems to weigh very heavily on the dreadedness of war. The fact that these soldiers were walking off in a happy manner even though the general was grave knowing that it was unlikely that they'd come back I think really shows the strength of the human spirit. Because you have these soldiers who are so willing to protect their country and their family and are willing to give their lives that they can find some contentness in the fact that they know that they might not come back. And I don't know whether I would have that same bravery. I really don't. I think I'd be quite scared in the face of war, which is why I respect soldiers who walk off so easily so much. And part of me wonders if they walk off easily because they're not weighing the fact that they might come back. But I think a lot of the times it's just the peace that they've made. My grandfather, actually both of my grandfathers fought in separate wars. One of them was in World War II and one of them was in Vietnam. And my grandfather from Vietnam told me that when he went into the war, he was very young. He was terrified. But he knew that if he died, it was for a cause worth dying for. It was for his family, and that's how he always looked at it. It was for his friends. And, and what could be a more noble death than that? But he said that, that going off to war and knowing that, that doesn't take the fear of death away. And I wouldn't expect it to. You're still afraid. It's just coming to terms with your fear. And I don't think that fear ever goes away. I think even in the end, when people have grown so much in their lives and and when they're 
they're about to die. They have this feeling of unease, of nervousness. And maybe that's what it is. It's the fear that bleeds into nervousness. And you're nervous about the unknown or you fear the unknown because nobody knows what comes after this. But maybe it's, it's the contentness or it's the excitement of not knowing what comes next which propels people to be okay with their demise. And I, I think, I also think a lot of it is naivete as well. I think it's young soldiers in this poem walking off into a war that they might not know anything about. Or being proud that they were chosen even though the choice might be to not come back. But you're so excited at being chosen, at being included, that you're blinded by the fact that by the grandeur of, of the machine that you're becoming a cog in. And that might be a part of it too. That might be a, a recruiting tactic. But what really caught my mind in this poem, what caught my eye in this poem was the general. And I mentioned this prior, but the general being grave. This isn't a happy occurrence for him. And he knows that that this choice is not an easy one and yet these soldiers are like little puppies running off and i think that might make it worse for the general because he knows that they don't know where they're going or what they're doing this poem's so short and yet it holds so much and the fact that a hundred or more soldiers stepped forth to take up this role but only two or three were chosen is really interesting to me a hundred stepped forth and I wonder how many Walt meant actually wanted to go and how many felt it was their duty to step forward. And I know this is fiction, it's poetry, but it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder what we would be willing to do as humans if we feel like we have to rather than want to. Want and need are two very different things. And the need to go to war and the want to go to war are very different obviously and i can't help feeling that these soldiers walked off feeling like they wanted to go to war when many might have stepped forth feeling like they needed to i like this poem a lot to the person who sent it and thank you i'm gonna read it a few more times i'm sure i'd have a different interpretation after like a week when i can just sit with me and i can just think about it but thank you to whoever sent this in i really appreciate it and please send me any of um, your recommendations for writing or your writing. I love to read that stuff. Thank you once again, everyone, for listening um, to the Unheard Words podcast. You can follow me on my TikTok at Unheard Words or my Instagram at Unheard Words Poetry. And please email me any questions, comments that you have at unheardwordspoetry at gmail.com. And I really look forward to seeing you guys all again next week. Please send in those questions. And um, if you like the poetry reading segment, let me know. I look forward to talking to you guys next week. I think I already said that, but it still holds true. See you guys. Bye-bye.